This is Voice in the Wilderness podcast channel. Today's topic is going to be, if you're easily scandalized, you have no business being in the true Catholic Church. But first, a prayer. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Ghost, Amen. All that I am, all that I have, all that I do shall be consecrated to the service, honor, and glory, and exaltation of the Immaculate Heart of Mary, the Sacred Heart of Jesus, in the Heavenly Kingdom. In Jesus' name I pray, Immaculate Heart of Mary, please pray for us. Sacred Heart of Jesus, please pray for us. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Ghost, amen. So, uh, I mentioned in my uh, original podcast channel, there's a set of contests. These these guys are relatively... um, I shouldn't say relatively. They're they're probably the King Kong. They're they're actually two set of contests. Apologetics organizations are the King Kong and Godzilla of the set of contests um, podcast world. That is Norvis Order Watch and True Restoration Radio. Now. I mentioned in my original podcast that it really used to annoy me. Quite frankly, it still does. Um, when the founder of... It's a podcast slash uh, website, but it used to annoy me when, when he'd say, no... You know, he'd be talking about some quote of some Vatican II heretic. I want to warn you, this is shocking. This is shocking. Oh, this is... You won't believe it. Just, you know, or he would tell the children to leave the room when something... It was obviously blasphemy or heresy, but it's not the same if I were to to blaspheme the Lord in a curse word. For that, I would say, hey, kids, get out of the room. Or for that matter, using any kind of curse word at all, I would say, hey, kids, you know, leave the room or whatever. <sighs> And he 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 would be telling his 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 listeners, oh, you need to get the kids out of the room over a heresy and a blasphemy. And that's what led me to the the, the topic of this podcast. The podcaster, actually, both of the podcasters in question, <laughs> um. I'd say a lot of set of contests made some sort of journey from the Vatican II sect to the to the neo trad, the fake trads, to the to set of contestism. And some of them are like me, who went Protestant Vatican II to set of contestism. So, 
the 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 fact of the the blasphemies and and the heresies and the sacrileges that occur within that church and some of the garbage that has been spewed out by heretics even prior to the Vatican II church. These were actual heretics that somehow or another never were kicked out for their, for their heresy. For whatever reason, they were never kicked out. Well, there is a reason. It's called divine providence. But what I'm saying is, I've noticed that a lot of Sedvacantists have this romantic notion that everything was pure as the wind-driven snow in the Catholic Church before the big evil Masonic overlords infiltrated the church and gave us Vatican II. That's a romantic viewpoint. It's a very shallow and superficial one at that. The rot had begun as early as the Reformation, if not before. Okay? So, and, and this, this is part and parcel with anything having to do with human beings. I ain't gonna lie, I never claimed to be a saint or a prophet for that matter. And so I tend to get a little irritable when people... Let me put it to you this way. When adults act naively. Because anyone who makes it above the age of 18, anybody who by the age of 30 is married and has kids should not be naive. Now, don't get it twisted, people. I'm not saying that being sheltered is necessarily a bad thing. I'm just saying that sooner or later you leave the bubble which kept you sheltered and your eyes should be open to what human beings are capable of. I mean... Martin Luther took a vow to God and became a friar. He was a religious monk. But did it stop him from thumbing his nose at the Pope, breaking his vows, marrying a nun, and starting a heretical theology? No, it didn't. Just like people like, and these are serial killers for you younger types, John Wayne Gacy, Jeffrey Dahmer, um, uh, Ted Bundy, you know, these, these, you know, were people who did horrendous atrocities. 
Stalin did horrendous atrocities. Hitler did horrendous atrocities. The Mason, uh, the Masonic revolutionaries in France and Italy did horrible atrocities. The Masons themselves did horrendous atrocities. There is a reason why Jesus Christ, when he was instructing his apostles and his disciples, said, Be wise as serpents and gentle as doves. Meaning, we need to be aware of the flaws and the failings of human nature and also to um, not just be aware of it, but to be wise to how the, you know, the way the worldlings run their world. But we are to be gentle in the sense that even though we know these things, we do not do the same things that they do. You know, it actually depresses me sometimes. It, I shouldn't actually be depressed because, once again, humankind is God's to deal with as he sees fit, just, just like I am. So, But the, 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 the biblical illiteracy, I, 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 I used to think, I used to think it was just... Um, a Vatican II sect thing. Well, there's there's a lot of people who call themselves Sedevacantists that are literally biblically illiterate. And by the way, I'm not claiming to be the present day Saint Jerome. I'm not. Um, I'm not claiming to be an expert in the Bible. But I, once again, you know, you take it for what it's worth. I'm not an expert, but I've, I've got a good general knowledge of the Bible. And, um, you know, I happen to know that the Sermon on the Mount is Saint Matt, the Gospel according to St. Matthew, chapters 5 through 7. Okay. Um, I happen to know that St. Mark is the shortest gospel in the Bible. And when I say gospel, I'm, I'm talking about, um, Jesus's gospel. I know that, the, that the old Testament, if I'm not mistaken, if I'm not mistaken, I think the there there are five, the the Old Testament is broken up into five periods. Okay, I know that the first five books of the Bible were written by Moses. Okay, um, I know that uh, Saint Paul. His his writings are called epistles, and they were addressed to his individual churches that he had been ministering to, except for the epistle to St. Timothy, um, the epistle to the Hebrews. Um, St. John the Evangelist, in addition to writing his gospel, 
wrote his three epistles plus the book of Apocalypse. St. Peter, I believe St. Peter had two epistles. What I'm saying is, you know, I'm not claiming to be an expert, but, you know, I, I, I can speak intelligently on the Bible and in keeping with my general overall principle, if there's something being discussed that I don't know about, I will say, I'm not sure. I'm not sure. Or this is, this is my understanding. Now, for those of you autists out there that don't know what that means, when I say this is my understanding means it's my understanding. It's not my infallible conclusion. It means this is my understanding. If I'm wrong, I will correct myself for the sake of honesty. Anyhow, that got a little bit too long. But... Um, nobody above the age of 18 should be scanned. Well, everybody's an individual. So what I'll say is, is that at least in the case of the, the, the heresies, blasphemies, and sacrileges that occur within the Vatican II Church, if you're set of a contest, nothing should shock you. Nothing. And honestly speaking, nothing that human beings can do should shock you. Okay? The, 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 the fact that governments committed mass murders on massive scales should not shock you. The fact that individual human beings were mass murderers should not shock you. The fact that we have people walking free who have, who run literal underage sex slave operations should shock you. The fact that they, in addition to running the sex slave trade that they use their victims also to make pornography with should not shock you. But where a lot of people like to get it twisted, and I talked about this in an early episode, is the younger types of people who consider themselves neo-traditionalists or sedvacantists seem to think that every female that is in pornography is a victim. And what they fail to realize, and this is not a criticism. I understand they're speaking out of naivete. Believe it or not, people go into pornography, not all, not all, but a lot of people don't go into pornography against their will. A lot of people go into pornography because it pays well. Um, with some of them, they do it because they like it. Some of them, they don't, but it pays well. 
And um, they just, they don't have a problem with doing it. Now, I'd be the first to tell you that there are spiritual consequences for consuming pornography, for being a part of pornography. Believe me, I can tell you there are spiritual consequences and they are grave. Just like not everybody who's a drug addict is is an innocent victim. Some people do those drugs because they like the way it makes them feel. Like any sin, it comes with spiritual consequences. You know. And part of naivete, the reason I'm bringing this up is, is part of naivete is romantic notions. These these young kids with... And trust me, I'm not making this stuff up. I was talking with one young set of a contest uh, youngster, and they were like, whoa, we need to march on the Vatican, da-da-da-da. And it's like, you don't have the authority to march into the Vatican. And even if you did have the authority, do you think that the Masons who control the Vatican would just allow you and your little communita to march in there and throw them out? And by the way, a lot of these people are between the ages of 15 to 25 and have never served a day in the U.S. I'm sorry, not just the U.S. Army, in the military. (laughs) You know, Vatican II is a counterfeit church, but I guarantee you The Swiss guards are real, and they are former Swiss soldiers. Now, the Swiss army may be minuscule, but the Swiss guard were hired by the Vatican to begin with because the Swiss, no matter how minuscule they may be, are considered excellent soldiers. So... You and your little group of buddies are just going to grab random rifles and pistols and march in on a on trained military soldiers. That's romanticism. And for that matter, while we're on the subject of romanticism, there's nothing romantic about war. But once again, a lot of people are, they're um, ignorant about history. Now, I always advise people who have a romantic notion of war. And by the way, when I was that age, I was very romantic too. So I'm not not being critical. I'm trying to help you guys out. Anybody who has remote romantic notions of war, for World War I, forget the Ernest Younger books. That guy ended up being a Nazi at the end of the day or 
close to it. He, even though he'd been in the trenches, he, his, his soul was so corrupted by the adrenaline rush that comes from being a hardened combat that, that he was a literal adrenaline junkie. Okay? Read what, what conditions on the Western Front in the trenches was like. Read about it. Read about the corpses that laid for months where they fell and the rats that the rats that infested because you have a bunch of corpses gonna draw it's gonna attract rats, flies, every kind of caring, uh caring creature. And then uh the American Civil War. You will see body piled upon body. And back in those days, in the Civil War, I'm talking about the American Civil War, the machine gun had just been invented. So it really didn't pay a major part, but even though they didn't have machine guns, they had perfected rapid-loading rifles to the extent that you could, if you had a decent sense of aim, you could mow down dozens of guys in under five minutes if, if you were really proficient with your rifle. There's nothing romantic about war. And I guarantee you, I, I hope and pray you don't have to learn this the hard way. There's going to be nothing Nothing romantic about fighting for your life when the Masonic Satanists kick in the Great Reset. Because they will have control over every country's military. I can't speak for the other militaries of the world. Talk to any U.S. vet that served between 1980 and 2016 and they will attest to the fact of what the U.S. military can do when it uses its weapons to level a patch of ground. And for you autists out there, oh, they didn't level Afghanistan. I'm just going to remind you of something. When Trump became president, he dropped the mother of all bombs. This is not an exaggeration. Google it. When he dropped it on a suspected Taliban position, it left a crater a mile wide and a half mile deep. I suspect, though, a lot of people are like me, and they, they're, they're not going to learn until reality kicks them in the teeth. Anyway, the reason why I say if you're easily scandalized, the first part of what I was getting at is, is number one, you should not be scandalized by 
the obvious. What do I mean by this? We all know, if you're set of a contest, you all know that Vatican II commits blasphemies, heresies, and um, um, sacrileges. So the fact that a Vatican II person said something outrageous should not shock you. In the secular realm, if somebody says, I'm going to punch you in the face and does it, why should that be shocking? They said they were going to do it. You know, taking people, if somebody says they're going to do something, as a general rule of thumb, I take them at, at their word. You know, um, when guys like Putin or, um, you know, Saddam Hussein or Muammar Gaddafi or Klaus Schwab um, or Angela Merkel um, or... Uh, Oh, I forget the prime, uh, Boris Johnson. I know he's no longer the PM of, of England. Doesn't matter. Though. When they say they're going to do something, I take them at their word. So when they go ahead and do it, it should not be surprising. It should not be shocking. And the second part of this is you should not be easily shocked by human behavior. You know, human beings, especially if the human beings are unmoored from the one true religion, Jesus Christ and his blessed mother, they're going to do things that from a matter of human decency are going to be above the pale. I mean, in their, even, even when they're not committing atrocities to each other, and I can vouch for this, they will treat you like a bag of garbage, literally. In, in, in the way they talk to you, in their attitudes towards you, in the way they look at you. Not, and here's the scary part. They don't even realize. They don't even realize that, that they're being an uncouth a-hole. That their manners and civility would be more in line from a pagan barbarian tribe than a member of quote-unquote, civilized society. Once again, though, I can't get mad at them. Because they're, like I said, they're not aware. They haven't been taught better. They haven't, you know, they haven't been taught better. And they obviously have no role models in their lives. Once again, I'm living proof. And, um... As harsh as what I just said sounded, I'm not claiming to uh, be any better than those people were at one time. Or are, I should say, are. I'm not claiming to be any better. 
I have met it, admitted on multiple occasions. I used to just mess with people for no other reason than I was bored and I wanted to see how they would react. Not bragging about that. I'm not proud of that. Stating a fact. And, um, I'll leave that off. Anyway, so, you know, the, the, the fact that human beings commit atrocities on people, on their fellow human beings, there's nothing new here. They've been doing it since Adam and Eve um, fell from grace. And by the way, the term fall from grace, it's not a charming term of expression or turn of phrase. It's, it's, it's not a charming turn of phrase. It's literally what happened. If Adam and Eve had not done what they did, um, they would be in the same state of grace that the Blessed Virgin Mary is in right now. And as I said in an earlier broadcast, she's only underneath the Trinity. Even though she is a human being, she is only underneath the, the Trinity in terms of her holiness and her purity. And the only, you know, the reason why she's underneath the Trinity is because the Trinity created her for the express purpose of being an instrument of the Holy Trinity. The angels in heaven bow down to her. They serve her. You Protestants out there, don't care what you know, don't care what you think you know, don't care what you like. That's the God's honest truth. I don't care. Um and the saints, even, even God's most favorite saint. Now, I think Bishop, I want to say Bishop Sanborn said that I think in the 12th or 13th century that uh, either St. Bridget or St. Gertrude was his favorite saint. But even his most favorite saint is not above the angels. They're his favorite saint. They're not above the angels. <laughs> and the angels are Mary's servants. One of her titles is Queen of Angels. Okay? So, even God's most favorite saint don't come anywhere close to the Blessed Virgin Mary. Why am I saying this? What I'm saying is, if, if Adam and Eve had maintained their relationship with God, they, they would have all the privileges and rights that the Blessed Virgin Mary had. 
That's what it means to be in... Well, in the Blessed Virgin Mary's, that, that was her state of grace. Um, obviously, because we have the taint of original sin, we'll, we'll never get to be that exalted. And quite honestly, I'd rather serve the Blessed Virgin Mary. Um, I've got more to be ashamed of and... Um, embarrassed of than I do to be proud of. So I, I, I'm, I, I'm happy to call myself a slave of the Blessed Virgin Mary. And for that matter, um, the Sacred Heart of Jesus. Anyway. Um, but um, nothing human beings do to each other or how they treat each other should be um, shocking. Or to, to use a uh, Catholic expression, um, scandalized. Scandalized just means shocked. And thank you, Lord Jesus and Mother Mary. Part of not being scandalized with the understanding that every human being with a flawed nature I repeat with a flawed nature should not be put on a pedestal You know, and it, I'm, I'm not going to lie. I get a really annoyed at Sedevacantis who will, uh, despite Catholic dogma, and this is aimed at you, Sedevacantis, 300 IQ takers, autists out there. The Catholic Church dogma is just because a pope is pope does not mean he cannot sin personally. He just can't be a heretic. In other words, go back from a blast of past, Alexander VI, a Renaissance Borgia pope, was a complete an utter sinner in his private life. But when it came to church teachings, he was orthodox. Okay? Um, Pope St. Pius X, because, you know, said of contest got to be autistic and crap, is a saint. He is a saint. He was made a saint by uh, Pope Pius XII. But guess what? Even saints, they might have not committed mortal sins because then they wouldn't be saints, but they had personal flaws and failings. Why am I, why am I getting all the autistic about this? Because a lot of set of contests, 
especially the younger autistic types who were probably raised in Sedvacantus households, don't seem to get the understanding that a particular prelate may be orthodox in his teachings, but still have flaws and failings as a person. And to call that a prelate out for his human failings, especially when we're at a time when the literal forces of hell are massing against the remnant of Catholicism, that his personal example may actually be bringing discredit upon. Notice I didn't say scandal. I said discredit. There's a difference. Upon true Catholicism to point out those errors and those shortcomings, it's not a sin. Yes, you heard me correctly. It is not a sin. Especially when the prelate in question has actually committed a sin. And need I remind you, you 300 IQ autists out there, said Vacantis, that prelates are held to a higher standard than a lowly layperson like myself. And going back to my earlier episode about critical thinking skills, the whole reason you got Vatican II was because to you autists out there, said Vacantis, the reason you got Vatican II was your relatives going back for five to 10 to 15 generations back thought that their local priest and their local prelate was sacrosanct. And for those of you who don't know, sacrosanct mean is a 10 cent word that means above criticism. Oh, he's the priest. Can't say nothing about him. Oh, he's the bishop. Can't say nothing about him. There's a difference between good order and discipline and giving a people a pass for the obvious, because of their position, because of their position, an obvious uh, sin that they commit publicly. Now, I understand for, you know, the clueless younger type said Vacantis out there who, if their parents, um, you know, taught them no better than to accept unquestioning whatever comes out of the local priest or bishop's mouth, If they weren't taught any better, you know, uh, I understand, but I, I haven't been given that. I consider it a handicap. 
a handicap. Now, some people would say, well, it's not being obedient. No, you obey legitimate orders. You obey lawful orders. But if somebody is in a position of authority, breaks the rules publicly, it's part of moral courage to call it out. It's not a lack, it's not a lack of respect. It's called moral courage. Okay? Um don't have to like it. I I you know, I'm by the way, I'm not saying I'm the epitome of moral courage, but I've never had an issue. I I will I will follow my priest. And whatever he tells me, I will follow my bishop and whatever they tell me. But if I find out that my priest has committed a public sin, I'm going to ask him about this. If my bishop does the same thing, I'm going to ask him about this. We are, you know, you people need to wake up. And I mean really wake up. The, the forces of hell are a stat, uh, are I'm sorry. The forces of hell are massed against the remnant. Sedevacantism is the remnant of the true Catholic Church. It does not it does not now is not the time for infighting. Now is, in other words, um, you know, you won't hear any, any criticism about local Bishop A, but you have no problem calling a fellow set of names. Now, yes, I realize I just got to using the word autist and stuff. But this is just a generalized thing. I've literally been insulted on social media personally by fellow set of contests. Okay. To my knowledge, I've never called out a set of contests by name. And that's on purpose. Okay. We're in, you know... You, you, you want to play the little high school click game? Like we're still in high school and, oh, you're not in the in crowd. Screw you, buddy. You let me know how that works out when the wrath of God is poured upon the remnant, not, not just the remnant of the true Catholic church, but in humanity in general. Because guess what? Our enemies aren't stupid. They're going to tighten the screws on the worldlings and they're going to tell them, well, it's your fault. You're religious extremists. You're not to be trusted. You want to overthrow the government. Blah, 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 blah. And because you spent all this time in fruitless backbiting, which is a sin, and, and stupid pride and arrogance... You're, you're going to be easy pickings. I'm going to tell you, you're going to be easy pickings. And let me tell you something, too. 
It's one thing for a layman such as myself. And I try, I try to set as best as an example as I can. But it's one thing for a layman like myself to screw up and maybe use a curse word here and there or to use a crude expression. It's quite another for our priests and our prelates to give public bad example. Because once again, you don't give your enemy the knife to stab you in the back with. Which once again comes about having the wisdom of serpents. Even the most stupid bird knows how to fly. Meaning, I don't care if you're the most backwards hillbilly that grew up in the Appalachian Mountains. You still know right from wrong at the base of it. And we do not give our enemies the weapons to use against us. Okay? Um, this is part of having wisdom, spiritual wisdom. Unfortunately for me, I'm not a saint. The way I learned the hard knocks of life was by having a... I'm not going to claim the hardest life, I, but I've, I've, I've led an interesting life. I've had many experiences. And God gave me the grace, more or less, probably less than more, to pick up some lessons from the things that I had stupidly done in my past. So, now is not the time for scruples. Now is not the time for stupid um, hero worship of an authority figure. Now is the time to band together, get your spiritual life in order, and start preparing for what's coming. Jesus said he will come like a thief in the night. When, not if, when the wrath of God gets poured out and you're unprepared, you're going to regret it mightily unless God, uh, Jesus Christ and his blessed mother gives you a singular grace. Because if he does, I would strongly advise, don't waste it. Okay, so... <laughs> um, I do appreciate if you uh, gave me 46 minutes of your time. I really do. Um... Once again, this is, you know, the, 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 the tone is not contemptuous. The tone, I might have used the word autist. I might have used the word 300 IQ taker. Um, they are disparaging names, yes. But I'm just going to be flat out honest. I would like to see as many people get to heaven as possible. But I'm not going to spare people's ego. I'm not going to, uh, I, I'm not going to, um, indulge 
their bad behavior any more than I would expect my own bad behavior to be indulged. We're talking about eternity and we're talking about what's going to be coming down the pike. And here's the thing. We don't know when it's coming. Generally, if you've been given the grace to prepare for what's coming and somebody tells you, get ready, probably a good idea to get ready. But I'm not, I'm not here. I'm not here to indulge anyone's ego. I'm not here to indulge anyone's uh, pride or arrogance. Okay? Honestly speaking, a lot of people need their egos taken down a, a peg or two. And by the way, I've been accused. Yes, online, I've been accused. Hey, you, you're full of pride and ego. How do you know? Okay. Well, your tone isn't, you know. Okay, to, yeah, to you, my tone. And we're talking tone, not the message. There's a difference. My tone may sound overbearing and arrogant. But once again, we're talking about critical thinking my tone doesn't matter. The message does. The message is what matters. Okay? And I've made it quite clear throughout both of my uh, podcast channels that I don't think I'm any better than anyone else. And... In some degrees, I think I'm worse because I do things that I know better, but I do them anyway, you know, and not that I have to justify myself to anyone, and I don't intend to, but um, I try to practice what I preach. I don't think that there's a whole lot of people who can make that claim. Not in today's day and age. I'm not saying not every, you know, not nobody does it. I'm, I'm sure there's some, but I don't think that there's a whole lot of people that do. So, but I do appreciate you giving me your time. I really do. I appreciate if you've if you've listened to this point. I want to thank you, and um, I don't care if you agree with me or not. If you listen to this point, I'm going to thank you because it, it it shows that you're, you know, even if you disagree with the message, you're willing to at least give it a fair hearing, and I can't ask for more than that. So. As I said, um, I do care about everyone. And I, I pray for everyone. And I would like to see as many people get to heaven as possible. You take it for what it's worth. Thank you for your patience. Thank you for your time. Thank you for listening. Have a good day. God bless you. Bye-bye.